is Asia Insight, Asia Policy in a Pod. Welcome, everybody, to the Asia Insight podcast by the National Bureau of Asian Research. I'm Ali Solenpi, Vice President for Research at MBR. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Shiming Yang on China and India's COVID-19 vaccine diplomacy efforts. Shiming is a PhD candidate in political science and international relations at the University of Southern California, where she studies global environmental politics with an emphasis on developing countries. She recently published an essay in MBR's Emerging Voices series titled Rising Power Competition, the COVID-19 Vaccine Diplomacy of China and India. So Shiming, welcome. It's uh, great to have you here today. So to start off with, um, can you just tell us a little bit about your research on uh, rising powers and vaccine diplomacy? Um, you know, what is vaccine diplomacy and what elements of it have you been exploring in your research? Of course. Um, so my research focused on um, developing countries, major developing countries and how they behave in, in the world politics, um, especially in environmental protection, climate change and public health. So my research in vaccine diplomacy recently, um, I look at um, China and India. Um, actually, in my research project, I also look at Russia and how they become the emerging um, um, players in the global uh, in the provision of global public um, goods, public health goods, um, and how they um, started to um, use vaccines as a tool for uh, diplomacy. Um, so by vaccine diplomacy, uh, we look at how they distribute vaccines they produce or develop domestically um, to other um, countries in the world, mainly in developing countries. Great. And, you know, so I really enjoyed your essay for our Emerging Voices series, which compared Chinese and Indian vaccine diplomacy, which really helped for me put into context much of what we hear in the news about vaccine diplomacy. So could you describe uh, the different approaches that India and China are taking with regard to vaccine diplomacy? Um, yes. So I look at um, their diplomacy from the vaccine um, research and development and vaccine manufacturing and also their uh, distribution. So these three aspects, um, because vaccine production is a whole supply chain. Um, so in terms of vaccine development, China basically uses self-developed vaccine um, uh, for international distribution, whereas India mainly uses COVID Shield, which was developed by AstraZeneca and Oxford uh, University. So it's fundamentally a Western vaccine. Um, so they use different tools that definitely will bring like credibility issues because um, China has to make a lot of effort for other countries to believe that its vaccine is actually um, good quality, whereas India does not really have this kind of concern because it's widely recognized already. It's a, a long time like big manufacturer of these vaccines um, that will save India a lot of efforts. And also Chinese vaccines domestic development features public private partnership between the government and industry, whereas India's, India has its own vaccine, but it hasn't been used a lot internationally. Uh, we call them um, co-vaccine. India basically is using that mostly like domestically because again, because India faces a credibility issues, it has to convince other countries to trust its own vaccine and that is not an easy task. Um, so in that case, so India's like a co-vaccine is basically developed mainly by a private um, company called the Bharat Biotech. And then the government is 
providing some institutional help, but nearly not nearly as much as what Chinese government's doing. Uh, whereas the public research institution is basically helping um, taking the, the main task to develop the vaccines. Um, also, in terms of manufacturing, um, um, I think China has a originally smaller capacity than India because India is the biggest manufacturer in the world. Um, and that's how India becomes a major player in the vaccine diplomacy. But then um, the Chinese government um, started to help those um, uh, vaccine developers to expand their capacity really early on last year. So now they have a really uh, big capacity that features like three billion vaccines um, in 2021 alone, whereas India, um, basically this, um, the main serum institute and the Barrett Biotech, um, they are big manufacturers already, but then they don't get a lot of funding from the government to help them expand it. Not until the Indian um, pandemic uh, situation is worsened in April and the government kind of have to do it. But they have been asking for support for months, and, but the Indian government didn't offer help until in this April. And also in terms of distribution, we can see that China takes a more bilateral approach. Um, so far, those negotiate with individual companies for deal, um, for sales as well as donations. Whereas India actually uh, distributed 30% uh, of its vaccines through COVAX, which is the multilateral uh, facility um, to help developing countries um, um, get vaccines. And India uses the rest of its vaccines through uh, bilateral um, um, donations and um, sales. Um, and then in terms of uh, geographical coverage, then India is definitely a little more uh, restricted in the South um, Asia and um, Caribbean countries, the countries that has close ties with India, whereas China is more global. So basically it wants to sell vaccine to every country that wants it. Um, and then um, I think China has maybe a more a bigger focus on emerging, like larger developing economies than India. India is more like a regionally focused, regardless of the size of the economy. <laughs> Great. And so you've described definitely their different approaches. In what ways are uh, the Chinese and Indian approaches competitive? Or are there also ways that they are complementary to one another? Uh, this is a great question. Um, I think they are they are not um, they are competitive in a few ways. So in the short term, um, the competition is definitely in a few hotspot countries like China. Um, uh, earlier this year, donated uh, one million um, doses to Cambodia, and then the following day, India donated uh, one tenth of it to Cambodia. Um, yeah. But then India uh, donated um, one million doses to Nepal, whereas China donated really few. So like there is a um, certain emphasis for their vaccine donations along the borders of these two countries. Um, and then India definitely has a much closer relationship with, say, Bangladesh, that India um, uh, gave them um, two millions for free and then Bangladesh um, signed a big, um, more um, commercial contract with India um, that is like a 30 million doses, whereas China, um, in Bangladesh actually didn't authorize the use of Chinese vaccine until uh, mid-April when India stopped providing AstraZeneca vaccines because it has a domestic shortage. Um, so like definitely we can see they have geographical emphasis, but these things can change depending on the domestic situations of India and China. 
and also definitely in the long term, we can see India is kind of the dominant manufacturers of vaccines in the world, but China definitely wants to get into the game as well. So, um, so China can largely use um, the pandemic as a opportunity to ramp up its uh, vaccine manufacturing industry. That will definitely put China into direct competition with India in the future. Um, but they're also complementary in a few ways. Um, so in general, I think the developing world or the world in general is still in a shortage of vaccines. So whoever can provide it, I think is providing a public good. Um, and in terms of geographical coverage, I think um, as we discussed before, um, China is more focusing on the um, emerging economies, whereas India is actually providing a lot of vaccines to uh, least developed countries, particularly through the COVAX, because they kind of prioritize the countries in um, the biggest needs, um, um, small islands countries um, in Caribbean and Pacific, as well as uh, um, less developed countries in Africa. I think India actually um, plays a big role in providing uh, vaccines to these countries. <laughs> Great. And what do you think some of the regional implications of the competition you've described in the provision of public goods? Such um, yeah, um, there is some competitions in certain regions. So um, I think largely um, the vaccine diplomacy of these two countries reinforces their existing spheres of influence, um, which are in constant change as well. Um, so we can see that India's influence is more in South Asia um, and a large part of Eastern Africa, um, whereas China's influence is more in Southeast um, Asia, say like Indonesia, um, Cambodia, um, and so this like uh, emerging countries as well as um, in Latin America um, and no, um, Middle East, North African area. Um, so China is, I mean, that kind of like follows China's Belt Road Initiative and China's efforts to as the major trader and investor of the world. Um, because of course they want to kind of like, uh, um, that, that uh, their distribution of vaccines kind of follows their existing ties in economy and um, and the politics. So in that case, I think um, the vaccine diplomacy is just a part of their geopolitical um, um, strategy. Um, and I I think that's pretty much um, this is not going to change um, maybe anytime soon. Um, but I think there's maybe some spots of um, um, potential competitions such as we say in Africa. Um, there is like, I think um, India has a long-term um, relationship with a lot of like African countries, but China is, is getting there um, with its um, investment and also in Middle East and um, Middle Eastern countries, whereas India is like their biggest, um, among their biggest um, trade partners, but China is like invest, um, investing more and more in this area and um, featuring a lot of um, quite a number of um, the national leaders of uh, the Middle Eastern countries um, took the shots of Chinese vaccines. So definitely they are trying to compete for greater influence in those countries. And just to follow on that, you mentioned earlier that um, you know India and China both have to deal with um, credibility issues uh, when they're distributing the vaccine. Are there risks for these countries, not just benefits in providing the vaccines, but risks 
if uh, if the vaccines themselves don't perform as expected in in the region uh, for that geopolitical uh, influence that you mentioned. Um, yes, that's definitely a a, a big risk. Um, so, um, and I think that's one of the reasons that um, uh, any of the uh, definitely the Chinese vaccines um, they only um, conducted uh, phase three. Um, clinical trial, so they have to conduct a phase one and phase two, which guarantees the safety um, of the vaccine. So it cannot um, it cannot have any major negative effect on the um, on the patients. And um, I think China and um, different um, vaccine developers in China, they are uh, conducting clinical trials all around the world to make sure that the vaccines work for different um, uh, populations. So I think them have um, clinical trials in UAE, um, uh, in Saudi Arabia, UAE, um, definitely um, in different countries in Latin America, such as um, Brazil, Peru, Ecuador, and also um, I think in Egypt. So they just want to make sure that it, it covers um, different populations. And um, I think and the Chinese developers are also really careful that because they don't they don't they probably don't want any negative coverage on their vaccine. So they say, OK, this vaccine might not work on populations above 60 years old, even though it might as well work. But then there's a higher chance to have um, uh, more negative effects. So they're just being really parsimonious about that. Um, so I think that's um, that's definitely they're trying everything to to provi- um, prevent anything. And I think the Indian vaccine, the co-vaccine, um, um, hasn't conducted any um, international um, clinical trials. Um, and that definitely becomes a hurdle for it to distribute internationally because um, you know there's a credibility issues there. Um, I think India is trying really hard to um, donate its own vaccines to neighboring countries. Um, but so far, not a lot of countries has authorized its use or um, sign any deals or being willing to um, accept those vaccines because they have to. Uh, authorize them first. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you've alluded to this a little bit already, but um, given the role of India in vaccine production and distribution, how is the developing, uh, you know, very dire health situation in the rising case numbers in India? How does that affect uh, the global vaccination effort? Um, in I think. Um, the most direct answer is is creating a much larger shortage um, in the global vaccine um, um, provision um, because India uh, the um, the Serum Institute of India is the major suppliers for Covax, um, so now it cannot ex- uh, export its vaccine any more than of course a lot of countries um, originally assigned vaccine cannot get them anymore, which um, um, and most of them are developing countries. Um, and that will create and that has already created a opportunity for China um, that um, I don't think these two are related, but definitely um, just re- uh, a few days ago, uh, the WHO authorized the use of uh, ma- uh, two major Chinese vaccines, Sinovac and Sinopharm, and that will definitely boost their sales um, in the short term, including a number of countries who already sign contract with uh, with India to buy their vaccines bilaterally. Now they cannot get it anymore. They have to get it from elsewhere, which basically means they have to buy from China. Um, 
And um, I don't know, maybe China is even going to, I mean, other producers of AstraZeneca will have to ramp up their production in order to fill this gap as well. Um, I don't know how will this play for China because theoretically AstraZeneca has productions in China, but I don't know they, if they produce this vaccine already. Right. So we've talked a lot about China and India. Uh, to what extent has the United States conducted vaccine diplomacy in the Indo-Pacific region specifically? Um, we've heard a little bit of reports about how the Quad, uh, the Quad countries of the United States, Japan, India, and Australia might be ramping up efforts uh, in vaccine diplomacy. So what role has the Quad played in, in that as well? Um, yeah, um, this is a, a really good point. At the recent Quad summit, the United States, Japan, and Australia worked with India and pledged to supply up to uh, 1 billion um, um, COVID vaccine doses across Asia, um, I think, with the aim to counter China's um, growing influence. That was, that was, I think that was just days before the Indian um, pandemic situations worsened. Um, and now um, I think that's, um, maybe that's still happening, but that will definitely have to uh, meet India's domestic demand first. Um, so, and I think a few days ago, the, the Biden administration already announced that it will support waiving intellectual property rights for uh, its own um, COVID uh, vaccines, um, Moderna and Pfizer. And I don't know this how this will um, play out because the pharmaceutical companies, they haven't um, waived uh, those IP yet, um, but they have a big pressure to do so. And if this is what India and South Africa asked for, that will definitely help them to, to and also other countries who have the capability to produce vaccines to help with um, with India's, um, um, India's domestic situations. And that probably will like um, increase the ties between India and the Western countries because they already have a really long-term collaboration in terms of um, vaccine development. Um, and that will be, I mean, and I don't, but the decision itself is not, is definitely, um, it's hard to say whether it's a bad news for China because I think China also want to manufacture vaccine, uh, drugs or medical um, medicines from the Western countries. So IP waiver is a good news for China, but depending on how this will play out and how the Chinese manufacturer will seize this opportunity. Um, and also like how temporarily these IP waivers will be, and this is all remains to be seen. Um, but I think US is definitely um, taking, um, like um, giving a lot of medical um, supplies to India already. And with this, India is trying to, uh, I mean, U United States is trying to make India as its main allies to counter China, that's for sure. Great. So is there anything else um, from your essay or your recent research or new developments in the news related to vaccine diplomacy that you would want to share with our listeners? Um, yes, of course. Um, um, actually, my research, uh, as I mentioned briefly before, actually also look at uh, at Russia as a, as a, another um, emergent um, player on this um, global stage. 
Um, so um, my research actually compared the uh, the models of st their strategy between these um, three countries, and we find that um, each country they take a different strategy, um, um, and that actually corresponds to their uh, comparative advantage uh, in these three uh, aspects of, of the vaccine supply chain. So Russia is probably strongest in terms of um, there are vaccine deployment, uh, uh, development um, because it has arguably the most effective vaccine and it's also reasonably cheap. Um, there are some a few um, questions nowadays because of the, the, the Brazil new research, but um, so far based on their publications on the Lancet, I think Russia is um, arguably the most effective. Um, than China and India. So, but Russia is also really relatively weak in terms of manufacturing and distribution. So, what it does is it basically um, outsourced uh, the production of vaccines to um, other manufacturers in China and India and South Korea, among other countries. Um, and it's also really open to for pretty much any countries who want to set up uh, production facilities. Um, Whereas we can see that in India, like India is keeping all the manufacturing in um, domestically because that's what it provides jobs and also that's what um, um, India is strongest at. And then, but Russia also has its own um, Insta, Instagram, Facebook, other social media account for its own vaccine Sputnik. So it's trying to um, trying to kind of like um, advertise its quality. So. Um, other countries will um, will be attracted to buy its vaccine without um, it has to sell kind of like door to door as China is kind of doing. Um, Russia was has been really um, uh, really uh, trying hard to uh, register its vaccines in all across the world, not even asking for them to buy it, but it just want to. Uh, increase the number of countries that authorize the Russian vaccine. So maybe one day they're going to buy it and that's kind of like helps them. That's kind of one inexpensive way to publicize their vaccines. Um, China's definitely faced a bigger um, task because these vaccines are uh, good quality, but not the best quality. It's like it's past the threshold, but it's not that great. Um, so China is like um, going like uh, using its trade ties and um, the networks of um, business in other countries trying to uh, negotiate deals with every individual country. So like um, particularly the countries who hosted the clinical trials. Um, so that's that's really tip and also cater the uh, agreement specific to the country's need. If they want facilities, yeah, we are going to collaborate on that. If they want to finish the products, that can be done as well. So. Um, and India is um, India is basically uh, is not using its own vaccines. It's using the Western vaccine. So um, and then it's producing everything indoors. And then um, because it does not have stronger um, net distribution network as strong as China, so it's basically using the the Covax to help them distribute those. And then India can still claim the credit by producing them. It does not have to distribute every single vaccines. So that is how India is um, trying to um, get more reputation as the provider of vaccines, even though it's, it's getting paid for every vaccines it gives anyway. And the government is not even paying for the vaccines. I think the, the private, um, the, the manufacturers and the Gates Foundation at a multilateral agency is actually paying for the provision of um, the, the COVAX, uh, um, the COVAX and other vaccines, 
but Indian government claims the credit for those um, efforts. That's a really helpful distinction, yeah. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Shermin, for uh, walking us through all of those uh, intricacies related to vaccine diplomacy. And I'm really glad you touched on uh, the Russia angle as well, because I think that's really interesting. Um, so thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we really appreciate your time with us. Thank you so much. Asia Insight podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Thank you for listening to this episode of Asia Insight.